to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Last week we started and we talked a little bit about the pre-tribulational rapture, talking about that it's at any time it could happen and that the reasons why I believe that I believe that the rapture will happen before the tribulation period because you remember we talked about that a tribulation period is talked about as a seven year period where great tribulation is going to come down. Tribulation is going to be on, on the earth. And so there's going to be tribulation on the earth for seven years. And when we talk great tribulation, that can actually, if you want to you know, argue semantics, the great tribulation, the greatest part of the tribulation is the last three and a half years of that seven-year tribulation period. And there will be those that will like to differentiate and say, well, because the second half of the tribulation is actually the great tribulation, that's what God is going to spare us of because that's when the greatest uh, her, you know, most horrendous things happen down here upon the earth. And, and I would tend to disagree with that mindset because the whole idea behind the tribulation period is for God. Think about it for a second. Just consider what the tribulation period is for. The tribulation period, a seven-year period, is God pouring out His wrath upon a Christ-rejecting world. Okay? Now... The tribulation is not originating from Satan. It's not originating from the world. It's not originating even from yourself. It's actually originating from heaven being poured out onto the earth. Okay? And, and so, when you understand that that's where the tribulation is coming from, it's coming from heaven to the earth because of what? Because of rejection. You know, and so this 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 tribulation is coming down, this judgment is coming down upon the earth. Why? Because they didn't receive Christ. They didn't believe in Christ. Um, you can turn with me if you want and uh, and and see uh, in Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two. I believe that that's kind of where I left off last week, and uh, Paul is talking. To the Thessalonians, they're struggling with this issue because there are those that have come in and said, oh, well, the, the rapture has already happened. You guys are already in the midst of the tribulation. You guys are in the midst of, of this wrath that's coming from God. And, the, you know, those who were saved and, and those who were Christ, they've already been taken. You know, they're, they're gone. They're gone. And so, sorry, you're left. You're left. But Paul, he writes, he says, now... In chapter uh, 2 of Second Thessalonians, he says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. All right? And so this is the issue that Paul is dealing with, is that the, the church in Thessalonica thought that, oh my goodness, well these teachers have come in and said, well, it's already happened. 
You know, if, if you're familiar at all with the Jehovah's Witness doctrine, what you'd see in the Jehovah's Witness doctrine is that they said, oh, Jesus, Jesus is going to come back in 1918. And then he didn't come back in 1918. And they said, oh, we, we were mistaken, you know, the, the, and which, which immediately you should just refute everything that they say because they say that their watchtower is the word of God. You know, they are the ones that actually state the truth. God's ears to your, from God's mouth to your ears, through us, that's it, you know. And so the watchtower, you know, said, hey, you know, these guys and whoever it is that in Brooklyn, New York, I think is where they're located, you know, that they, did, they said, well, this is what is going to happen. Jesus is going to come back on the 18th. And then he didn't come back in, in 1918. And so he didn't come back in 1918. And so immediately, what you have is false prophecy, right? I mean, you would think so. But then they said, oh, wait, 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 we, we misunderstood. It's actually going to be 1925. And so, and it was before 1925, so they saved face until 1925 came, and then it didn't happen. And when they saw that it didn't happen again, they go, I don't know how we're going to get out of this. Let's just say that he came spiritually, and that he has come, and that... You just didn't see it, but he repaired to us, okay? And so that's how we keep you under bondage of a cult, which I believe wholeheartedly Jehovah's Witnesses are a cult, okay? And so here's the thing. You've got people that are stating things and taking the word of God out of context and trying to you know, bring people into bondage into their way of thinking and saying, hey, the word of God is coming through Brooklyn. They are the ones you have to listen to. So when they come knocking on your door and say, hey, I want to talk to you. I want to share with you the watchtower. Know this. Those are the same guys that got it all wrong. Okay? Just, just you know, it, unless you're strong in the faith, you're not going to beat them in an argument. You know, it, I would hope and pray that you are stronger in the faith, you know, and that, that you build your faith up and that you become well versed in scripture because I will tell you this the Jehovah's Witness that come knocking on your door they do much studying that's part of their doctrine that's part of their MO is to teach these guys that are going out two by two to your place and knocking on your door and and sharing with you Jesus they say now mind you it's not the same Jesus the Jesus that they talk about I think is what he's Lucifer's brother you know and it's just a mess it's a mess it's not the same Jesus they say that Jesus is a God he's not a God he is the God you know and they, and they try to mess up and try to work in you know in John chapter 1 verse 1 you know in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God yeah, you know, he was in the beginning with God, you know, the word, who was the word. Verse 14 says in the word of God, you know, and the word dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. And so the word is Jesus. It's speaking of Jesus. And so if you take the name word and you put, you interchange it with Jesus because chapter one, verse 14 of John, you know, it says that the word became flesh. Who is that? The word is Jesus. He became flesh and he dwelt among us. Okay. Well, that gives us a little bit more of a clue. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. And so the begotten son, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see in John chapter three, verse 16. 
His only begotten Son. And so what we have is that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us is Jesus Christ. That's Jesus. And so the Word and Jesus are interchangeable. And so as you go back into John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, and you replace the word word with Jesus, it's accurate. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. And, and so you look at that, the Jehovah's Witnesses go, that just, we can't make heads or tails of that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to put a little indefinite article in there, an A in there to make sense of all of this. And so then that's what we're going to preach. And we're going we're to go out and teach. And we're going to go on knock on people's doors and say that's exactly what it is. And what I say, that little indefinite article, A, goes in there. He, they now read it. In the beginning was the Word, or was Jesus. And the, the Word, um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. And so now all of a sudden he's a God, not the God, but a God. And so they say, well, there's many gods. And so I don't, didn't mean to make this a cult study, but just so you understand that people will try to date set like the Jehovah's Witnesses. And when they find that it didn't happen, much like this fellow just, what, a few weeks ago, you know, I don't know, I think it was on June 25th, Jesus was supposed to come back and, and it was going to happen. There was going to be these meteors that were going to hit the earth and everything radical was going to happen in our, in our life. And, and, you know, all the major news stations, again, they, they get some of these quacks and they say, those are Christians. Those are the Christians. This is what they are. So, and, and that's Satan's... MO is to, to mock Christians by taking some flakes that are out there and saying, hey, I'm a science fiction guy, man, and this is what I think is going to happen. You know, there's these things that, there's this conspiracy that these meteors are going to hit the earth, you know, and that's when Jesus is coming back, and there, nothing is going to be the same as it was, you know, come June 25th. June 25th, I've not heard another thing from this man. I just haven't. You know, there was a Korean church that came over and made their home in Garland, Texas. And they said, hey, Jesus is going to come back on a certain day. And Jesus came back on that certain day. And there they were. It just so happened to be that that Korean pastor was saying, hey, you know, here's the thing. Give me your money because that's no longer of use after this day. And so give it to me. And you think, well, why would I give you the money? You don't need it either unless you're a heathen and you're going to stay here and you can take all my money. His reason for going to Garland, Texas, literally, and serious, true story, the reason for going to Garland, Texas and making their, headland, head, their headquarters there was that he says, Garland sounds so much like Godland, God's land. And so we're going to go to Garland. And he just ripped a bunch of people off. And, and people look at that and go, again, Christians, Christians, all oh, those guys are fools. And they do that so much to the point where many people become very gun-shy of becoming Christians because they go, oh man, look at, the media calls them idiots. They call them stupid. They call them weird. They do all of this stuff and hear this church down there in that little, you know, strip mall down there next to the barbershop, more well-known than the church, is talking about a prophecy. Prophecy. God, don't listen to that stuff. Wait a minute. I'm just. I just. Let's look at what the Word of God says. You go home and you know if you're listening to this here or you're elsewhere listening to this. Listen. This is just what the Word of God is saying. 
People have been saying for many, many years, hey, Jesus has already come back. Jesus hasn't come back. And the preterists believe that, that, that Jesus has already come back and that we've actually gone through and we're kind of in the midst of all of the trials and the, the judgments and everything and we just don't realize that we're doing that. I just don't see because I hear it says that all, every eye shall see him. Every eye. will see, here's the thing. If that's the case, and all of these judgments that are so horrendous have come down upon the earth... Man, I, I just I've seen worse judgments in in scripture that have happened. I mean flood is one. I haven't seen a flood by fire. And I haven't seen some of these things, you know, and, and Jesus says, Listen, these days are so bad. He talks about in Matthew twenty twenty four. He says, Listen, he's in Matthew twenty four, he says, These days are going to be so bad that unless the Lord had shortened them, no flesh would be able to be saved. No flesh would be able to, to survive. Yet the tribulation is a horrendous time, gang. It's a horrendous time. But make no mistake about it. It's God pouring out his wrath upon a world that has rejected him. Paul's answering this question to the Thessalonians because the Thessalonians are going, hey, these teachers are coming in here and they're saying that he's already come back and we've missed it. And there will be those that will try to get you and convince you that Jesus has already come back and you've missed it. Or that he already came back and it was done spiritually and you just don't see it because you are not one of the wise people that kind of elicits this mindset of the old story of the emperor has no clothes. You remember that story? Oh, only the wise and prestigious people can see that the king has this royal robe on. Until that innocence of a little kid says, Hey, mom! How come the king's walking out here all naked? When all of a sudden, logic and reason is restored to people. That people begin to go, oh, oh, the king is naked. I see it. I see it. The little kid said it. I wasn't going to say it because I didn't want to be one that said that I couldn't see the, the clothes. You know? The, 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 the influence of the masses... And so the influence of the masses, Paul is attempting to squash the influence of these false teachers that are coming in and hopefully and prayerfully as we go through this study, you know, on prophecy, you don't allow the media, my goodness, please don't allow the media, don't allow, don't allow the world around us to, to manipulate you or to influence you not to trust the word of God. I don't know the day or the hour. I just know that it's going to happen at any time. I know that I need to be ready and I know that you need to be ready and I know that we are waiting for the return of Jesus Christ because Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, he said he'd come back. He said, I'm going to go and build a, a, you know, a, a dwelling place for you and I'm going to come back and I'm going to receive you to myself that where I am there, you will always be. Jesus promised he'd come back. The angel said, why are you guys sitting here gazing up into heaven? Don't you know that the Jesus that you've just seen go up and, and the clouds receive him up into heaven? Don't you know he's going to come back in like manner? Jesus is coming back. We just don't know the day or the hour. And Paul is dealing with this, you know, years later where the Thessalonians have been taught by people that Jesus has already come back. Jesus, he says, no, the day of Christ has not yet come. 
Let no one deceive you, verse 3, by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of, of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Don't you remember, Paul says, that when I was still with you, I told you these things? So Paul is bringing back to remembrance the things that he was sharing. Paul was a prophetic teacher. He taught prophecy. It's not weird to teach prophecy. Paul did it. You know, on, on the, the Wednesday nights, uh, Jeremy started a study with the, with the youth on Revelation. And he's been out for the couple weeks and I've been able to kind of come in and kind of, you know, we've been tag teaming this thing and I came, I've come in and talked with the kids also. And, and one of the things that we've shared with the youth is that, do you understand there are 66 books of the Bible? And out of the 66 books of the Bible, there's only one book of the Bible says that you are blessed if you read and understand that book. And it's the book of Revelation. But there's a lot of people that say, stay out of the book of Revelation, it's too hard to understand. Stay out of the book of Revelation because it's scary. Stay out of the book of Revelation because there's so much conflict, there's so much you know, discussion, and there's just so many views, just stay out of it. And Paul, or I'm sorry, John is, is impressed on by the Holy Spirit of God to write that you're blessed if you read and understand this. And of course the enemy would want us to stay out of that book. The enemy doesn't want you to be blessed. The enemy doesn't want you to know what's coming next. What the enemy wants you to do is to fall in line with what the rest of the world is doing. And just bypass what Jesus said that he was going to do. It would be far better for the enemy. You know, the enemy, you, you know this, don't you? The enemy affects us in, in a few different ways. The enemy will come directly and have a direct affront on the church. He'll come against it. I don't believe anything you say. I'm an atheist. You have no business talking about this Christ because it's all false. You Christians, you think you guys are the ones that know everything. And don't you understand there's so many other ways that are out there? And so he comes against the church. But there's another way that the enemy will do it, come against the church. And that is that he'll join in with the church and make himself look like he's a Christian. Make himself look like he's genuine. Jesus talks about that in the parable of the mustard seed, doesn't he? He said, there's a mustard seed. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it's planted, it grows up and it becomes this tree. And then the birds come and lodge in its branches. I believe that the interpretation of that, that parable is that a mustard seed isn't supposed to grow into a tree. It's supposed to grow into a bush. And yet, it grows into this massive tree and the birds come and nestle in its branches and nests in its branches. And if you look at the rite of first mention, which is a way to look at Scripture, the rite of first mention, when you look at things in, in Scripture and you begin to see doctrine of, of, various, uh, of various things that are mentioned in Scripture... When Jesus is speaking about the parables, he talks about the bird being the evil one. And so you carry on the bird all the way through all of his parables, and every time you see the bird, you see that it's the enemy. And if this enemy is coming and nestling in this, this horrendous growth of something, 
It's supposed to be the church, but it's not the church. We're living in that day and age now. There are many people, many men and women who are occupying pulpits that are, that are not even saved. And yet they make their, their living teaching what they would say out of the Word of God, but they're teaching it in a contoured way in order to manipulate the masses. And if they can make it fun, and if they can make it entertaining, and if they can make it look like the world... Man, I'll tell you, we as Christians, we have to be very careful. Because if, if, if we want to be in the world and we want to be kind of of the world, if we try to mimic the world, who are we? And, and so, you know, when, when you hear that people will say, man, I like to go to that church because it feels like I'm going to a club, I got a problem with that. I don't know, it's, but it doesn't matter about what I have a problem with. But I, I, I would seriously hope you would request, you would, you'd question your motives for going to a church because it feels like a club. Many times you hear this. I just had, had this approach to me just the other day. We go to this church because it's dark. You go inside, it's dark. and I mean, it totally feels like a club. Smoke and lights and I mean, it is, it is so cool. And they just talk about all the things that the church had, but never once did they mention how what kind of teaching that they got. They never mentioned about what what what's happening in their life. They just talked about the cool little things that they had. Man, we we can be Christians and look just like the world. Well, here's the thing. I don't know that that's who Jesus was. Hey, I want to look just like the world. I want to do everything that the world does. But I just want to be saved in the end. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. He says, come out of the world. Be separate. Be separate. It doesn't mean that we were to be in the world, but not of the world. It's kind of like, you know, a submarine is a good submarine if it's in the sea, but not of the sea, right? Because if a submarine is of the sea, it's allowed the water in the submarine, and all of a sudden it's nothing more than a reef. Right? It's an anchor. It sunk because it allowed the sea to come in. You and I are like submarines in this world. Don't allow the, the water to, of the world to get into you. You, you, you. you have to allow the Lord to purge that out so that you and I can navigate properly through this world and yet not be of the world. We need to be in the world but not of the world. There's many, many sunken subs that are in this sea of the world that Jesus wants to save. And he wants to use you and I to, to accomplish that. But here's the thing. As we look at the, what Paul's talking to the Thessalonians, he says, hey, there's going to be people that are coming. They're deceiving you. Don't be deceived for that day will not come first unless the falling away comes first. That, will, that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Let's stop there for just a second and look at these terms. There's a couple of ways to look at this. The most obvious of these is that word falling away. Falling away is apostasia. Now, that's a, that would be a... that Until there's a great falling away, this great apostasy that happens. Anybody understand what apostasy means? Apostasy means... And I just I'm running out of time and I've got to hurry with this, but apostasy means that that you basically just chuck in 
doctrine, you chuck in good theology, proper theology, you chuck that in for something instead of it. You, you apostasy is, be, is growing cold from that which you should be hot for. That's apostasy. That's becoming lazy or that's becoming indoctrinated to something that is not true. Apostasy is falling away. I think we're seeing that in our country today. I think we're seeing that in the world today. The things, I, any of you guys that are old like me, we, we know, my goodness, how far have we come? How many of you guys remember the, the, the old show, I Love Lucy? Ah, I remember I Love Lucy, remember that? Do you remember that Ricky and Lucy didn't even sleep in the same bed? On TV because they didn't want to have the TV stations. <laughs> the media was afraid that it would that it would be too risque to show that a husband and wife slept in the same bed. They didn't want the innuendo that they were sleeping together. <laughs> that's out the window. I mean, my goodness, do we even need to talk anymore about that? But that's back when we were growing up. You know, to you guys that are much younger, you look at it and go, you guys were such prudes. No. No. We were already being indoctrinated back there. You just are growing up in apostasy. We were talking on Tuesday night with the men and and this kind of a subject came up. And one of the things that that I shared is that when I went to Bible college out in Twin Peaks, um, Calvary Chapel um, Bible College in Twin Peaks, California is a 26-acre parcel up in the mountains in Southern California. And one of the things that was basically, you lived in a dorm when you lived when you came there, and your dorm space was small. Now I I left. Uh, I had my own home. Um, I owned my own home. I I lived by myself. I could spread out I could do whatever I want you know and and then when I went to Bible college um, they put me in a bunk on the top with six other guys in a space that was maybe I'd say four rows these four rows this area we had six guys sleeping in that area that was our space they gave me four feet of a closet that had I could put a, a trunk I had one four-foot shelf that could go in. I had like another shelf that was there that I could hang things on. And then I had a little cubby hole that was above it. But that's it. And then I had my bed. When I went on that top bunk, when I'd roll, you know, to roll my feet out of the bed, if I kicked my feet up, I'd hit my shins on my, on my cubby hole. That's how much space I had. My best friend, actually one of my best friends, he, be, he was the best man in my wedding. Um, his name was Dave Vodder. We got to know each other very, very, very well because we had, because what we had was a an, about an 18-inch wall between he and I as we slept. I mean, you'd get up in the morning and you go, "Oh, you got bad breath, dude." He, there's just a wall 18 inches high. We're on each other's side. We're just on that side. His bunk was on the other side of the wall. Now we were separated, if you want to call it that. That's how small it was. 
But one of the things that they told you, you can bring a trunk, you can bring this, you can bring this, of all the things that you can bring. Bring your Bible, bring paper, bring you know your notepads, you can bring a computer, do not bring a TV, and do not bring a radio. Now that would just kill some of you. That would kill a lot of us right now. You mean I can't take a... Yeah, no, that, listen, you gotta, you got to... Listen, you're here for a reason. Not to watch TV and not to listen to the radio and all that stuff. You're here to study the Word. And so for the two years that you're going to be here in this program, no TV, no radio, just, just here. Just, just dive into the Word and just be bathed in the Word of God. And so it was cool. Now, I did go down because I lived... I don't know, 20 some odd miles away from the, maybe 30 miles away from the, the college, down the hill. And so every weekend, pretty much, I would go down the hill and I got to fly down there a lot and I got to hang out with my family and do all that kind of stuff down there. But every time I'd go down and I'd get gas down at the bottom of the hill, there was a shell station right down there and I'd go in to get gas. I, and I'm thinking of this particular moment. I'm in there getting gas and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm getting gas and all of a sudden, I just go, ah, my goodness. The mouths on people were horrible. The cussing and, and the, 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 the words that people were using, I'm thinking, my goodness, that's tough. That's, wow, wow. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, they haven't changed. This is exactly what the world is all the time. It's that I've removed myself from that to where we aren't allowed to cuss. Nobody really cusses at a Bible college. I mean, there's probably some people that cuss, but they do it under their breath. That's not something that you necessarily go down the hallway and tell a dirty joke at, you know, at a Bible college. It just doesn't fly. You'd be getting called into the principal's office, you know. But you're in a place where you're not hearing bad things. You're not watching bad things. You're not even in commercials seeing bad things. You're not hearing bad things on the radio. You're not hearing this stuff. And then you go down and you interject yourself back into the world and it was a shock to me. Now I understand why they did it. It was to fully immerse yourself in the Word. The thing was, is that what happened to me and what happened to a lot of us is that, my goodness, we've become calloused to the sin in this world. We, it just, it's just normal to us. If you're a construction worker, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, a lot of the cuss words that construction workers use, they're not even cuss words to them. That's just lingo. That's just their language. At least that's what I try to convince myself on when I've been around a lot, I've been around a lot of construction workers. I don't mean to slam down on construction workers, but if you've been around a construction site, you hear that there's a lot of really bad words that are being said. And a lot of times, they don't even mean to, to say something that's, that's, that's rude or anything like that. Not that they're, you know, the model of society, of, you know, the, 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 the model of morals or anything like that. You can go do that in any business. But I just, I remember that the words that these guys say, it's just a part of their vernacular. And they don't mean any vulgarity about it. That's just how they speak. Do you know what that's called? That's called callousness. And the callousness is a part of apostasy. And the apostasy that we're talking about is that there is such a, a cooling off and a searing of our consciences that all of a sudden we're not shocked when bad things happen. I think all of us are pretty shocked, you know, are, are, can, can understand 
that when you see that there is a major shooting and, hey, 25 people have been killed over here, it doesn't shock us like it used to. It used to take our breath away. It used to be that oh, we got to know everything about it. What happened? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Now it's like, oh, that's a shame. I am so... I mean, yeah, you still feel bad. But you just go about your day. And, and the thing is, that's called callousness. That's having our conscience seared as with a hot iron. And, and the thing is, is that this, we're, we're in this time where we have our conscience so seared and people of faith, genuine faith, real, true Christians are oftentimes finding themselves cowering down because everybody has become so seared that, man, to be a Christian, ah, it's, it's, it's a sign of weakness. It's a sign of, it's a sign of, well, the world will think I'm an idiot because the whole world thinks that Christians are idiots. That's called falling away. That's called having our, our, our conscience seared with a hot iron where, where we, don't, we don't stand up and go, hey, you know, uh, we win in the end. I don't mean to bring a football game into this, but there's a rematch today that's going on of the Super Bowl of last year. Uh, you know, I don't know how many of you, if you don't know anything about football, just bear with me and hopefully get what I'm talking about on this illustration. The New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons are playing again today in just a regular season game, but last year for the Super Bowl, for the, for the championship game of the National Football League, the Super Bowl uh, participants were New, New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons. And the Atlanta Falcons just were drubbing the New England Patriots. And then, late in the third quarter, they're up by 25 points. And then Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, begins to lead his team back. And they end up tying the game. At the very end of the game, they tied the game went into overtime and then the New England Patriots ended up scoring a touchdown and winning the Super Bowl. You know, from the first quarter all the way up to the third quarter, bear with me on this illustration, it, it does work. From the, somewhere in the first quarter to up into the third quarter, even into the fourth quarter, if you're a, if you're a person and you go into any event, any gathering of football fans that was watching the game and you go in there and go why are you even watching this game don't you know that Patriots are going to win Patriots are going to win they are going to win everybody would look at you as a fool everybody would look at you as a fool everyone would think you are a fool don't you know nobody ever comes back from 25 points down not this late in the game no way not even Tom Brady no way. What a fool. Hey, hey, everybody, this guy says the Patriots are going to win. Ha, 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 what an idiot. You know what? You, uh, we're going to tell you to leave, but no, we actually want you here for comic relief because we want to laugh at you and mock you when the game is over. Just how stupid and how ludicrous you sound. You're an idiot. What an idiot you are. Hey, everybody, they say the Patriots are going to win. Ha, ha, ha. 
And then the Patriots won. Nobody's laughing anymore. Let's say that you go in to a gathering and they're watching the replay of that game and you see it happening. And you go in there and you say, hey, the Patriots are going to win this game. I know that it looks illogical. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. The Patriots are going to win this game. And they start laughing at you. How, how shocked are you then? How much are you feeling like an idiot then? Oh, man, I, 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 hope, I hope they win. You know, I'm not just some super fan of the Patriot fan, you know. Everybody would go, you are a, 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 a you know, a romantic, you know, visioned Patriot fan that nobody can ever beat you, you know. And so back in the day, back when the game was playing, that's what people would label you as. Oh, you are just so starry-eyed Patriot fan. You, nothing can ever happen to you, but you're going to lose. But now today, you go in and watch the replay of the game, and you, you sit there, and now as people mock you because you say the Patriots are going to come back, how bad are you going to feel? You're going to feel pretty confident, aren't you? In fact, you might go, man... No, really. They really, really are. And if you start seeing somebody wager that, that the Atlanta Falcons are going to win this game, you go, oh, man, don't do that. Don't, don't do, don't, you're going to lose. No, I'm, I'm, betting my, I'm betting my title on that, man. I've got myself a nice car out front, and I'm betting this guy, you know. No, no, no don't do that. Don't do that. No, don't do that. You warn him. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's not going to happen. You're going to lose your car. You are an idiot. No, 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 no. You're an idiot. I'm not an idiot. Stop. Please, don't do what you're going to do. You can't afford to lose your car. I know your family. You're going to be without a vehicle and your wife, you're doing this as a detriment to your family. I know exactly what I'm doing. Do you know what I'm going to be able to go? I'm going to be able to go home and show my wife that I only got my car, but man, I got this guy's minivan or whatever it is, you know? I've got an extra car. Now I'm getting her a car. No, you're losing both of them. You know the outcome. Gang, I hope you're starting to see how this fits. We know the outcome. It's right here. We don't need a DVD player. We don't need a replay of the game. It speaks in this word exactly how it's going to come out. Gang, we have... To, to, to us, prophecy is amazing. It's amazing. To sit here and to say, wow, somebody could foretell the, the future. And to us, that kind of freaks us out. But as Christians, should that freak us out at all? That shouldn't freak us out at all. Because God is omnipresent. He is in the past. He's in the present. He's in the future. He knows how it all works. And so when he says, in the end, he wins. In the end, Jesus comes back. In the end, there is a tribulation. In the end, there's a rapture. In the end, there's a tribulation. In the end, there is a millennial reign of Christ. In the end, there is going to be one final judgment. And in the end, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. In the end, there's going to be a place called heaven where there will not be any tears. There's not going to be any loneliness. There's not going to be any sorrow. There's not going to be any rejection. There's not going to be any more loss. You know, there's not going to be any more of that. There's not going to be any more night. 
there's not going to even be there's not going to be a sun because we won't need a sun because the Lord will be the light. That's wild, gang. This is what we have in front of us. Do not grow weary and do not let people deceive you. The next thing I believe on the agenda is Jesus is going to come back, and it could happen any moment. Be ready. Be ready. Don't let anyone deceive you unless the falling away. Don't, it, it, because it can't happen until this apostasy. Now that, that word apostasy also can be you know, a snatching away. That can also, there is a, a rendering of, of this verse or this word that actually could mean taken away. Which some will look at that and say, either way, whether it's a a searing of conscience towards God as an apostasy where people turn their back and their faith grows cold or whether it is a catching away of people and a snatching away of people out whether it's the rapture or whether it's that it doesn't matter it's happening it's gonna happen he says but there's also the man of sin is gonna be revealed the son of perdition this antichrist who opposes and exalts himself above all that's God. And I don't have time to get into that. I'm going to get into that next week because there's some things I want to talk about that. And there's other verses that I want, to, I want to show you that explain to you what is going to happen with this Antichrist when he comes on the scene. But I believe that any other view of prophecy, whether it be mid-trib, pre-wrath, post-trib, no-trib, whatever, any other view, you know who everybody would be looking for in that? Everybody is looking for the, the son of perdition, the man of sin, to be revealed. Here's the mindset. I'm not looking for Jesus to return. I'm looking for the Antichrist. Now that just sounds screwy to me. That my eyes should be more concerned on when the Antichrist is going to be revealed than me being concerned that Jesus Christ can come back at any moment. I reject the other views. I believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. My eyes should be focused on Jesus Christ, not Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus, man. And I hope you are too. That's what I teach. That's what I'm convinced of. That's how I teach. And I'll continue to, you know, develop this thought, especially as it comes because I know that people you want to know. You want what what's gonna happen with the Antichrist? What's going on with him? What what's his MO? What's he gonna be doing? What's happening? We're gonna answer some of those questions next week. Through scripture. What scripture talks about him as. But be that as it may, listen, gang. When we walk out of here today, know this. You already have the DVD. It's called the Bible. You have it in your hand. If the world mocks you, know that the world is foolish. Just as someone would be foolish for mocking, saying that the Patriots are going to lose that Super Bowl. You already know the outcome. You don't have to feel stupid. You already know the outcome. I know the outcome. We know the outcome. Let's not grow weary while serving Jesus. 
as we wait for him because he can come back today. Could be today. Might be today. Why not today? Jesus, thank you for today. I pray, Lord, that, that as we have gone through this study, Lord, that, that maybe we've encouraged somebody to live it bold, more bold in their faith. And I pray, God, that that is a result of a message like this, that we understand that, man, we're not on the losing side. Jesus, you, you said that brought is the way that leads to destruction and many there are who go that way, which tells us that the vast majority of people are going to turn their back on you and they're going to walk away from you. Now, that shouldn't bring happiness to us. That should cause us grief. That should cause us to mourn in our heart and should cause us to, to have a desire to see and to save just one more person away from that large open funnel that is leading to hell where people are going to hell. And they think that, that they've got it right because everybody else thinks like they do. God, use us to snatch one of them out of that, that group. But your word also says narrow is the way to life and very few there are who go that way. So Lord, just even in your own words, you tell us that more people are going to reject you and turn their back on you and go to hell than those who are going to see you for who you are, accept you, and be entered into heaven because of a relationship that they have with you. God, help us not to be swayed by the populace, by the popular opinion of what the world is saying. Please don't allow us to, to be affected by the mocking, to be affected by those who are the naysayers, to be affected by those who are the atheists, or the, and I don't even really truly believe in atheists, but the agnostics, who don't believe that we can even know if there's a God. Or those who just reject Christ altogether and laugh that we follow you. Help us not to grow weary while we follow you. But Lord, help us to pray for them. Because I know that there's in this room and in those who's hearing this, Lord, I know that there are some that are in this room that used to be on that team that used to mock people. That used to tease people for being Christians. And funny thing is, here they are, a Christian today. They're on the other team. The thing is, they're on the winning team. They know the end because you've written it for us. It's one of the beauties of your word. You aren't guessing the future. You've already seen it. And you know what is true and you know what is false. And so, Lord, we have before us what is going to happen. Let us, Lord, live in confidence this day and from this day forward and not allow the world to pressure us to cower down or back away from you and become a part of the apostasy of cooling our faith down and waxing cold because we don't want the world to mock us anymore. It's not worth it to be worried about what the world has to say. Lord, help us to be only concerned about what you have to say. In Jesus' name, that is our earnest prayer. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. 
So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.